Hello, and welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast. Certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen in. Uh, before we run off into the weeds today, I was wondering if you might like, share, follow, whatever you can do on the platform you happen to be on. It's helpful for the podcast. I uh, don't pretend to understand the dark magic of algorithms, but I do know they prefer likes, shares, follows, and things like that. We are in the last two weeks of discipline now. We've been at this for quite a while. This week and next week gives me an opportunity to talk about a couple of things. Uh, I've been looking for the right opportunity to speak about. One of them is church, being part of a church, attending church. Today we are talking about the discipline of church. The other one is generosity and giving, and we'll be talking about that next week. Something that even the newest Christian will understand is that knowing Jesus as your personal Savior is paramount. It's the most foundational part of being his follower, of being a Christian. That's where new life begins for a Christian. A personal relationship with Jesus matters. It is tremendously important. Something that fewer Christians might understand, however, is that identifying yourself with a local church is also very important. If you've been part of a church for some length of time, you probably understand what I'm talking about. There are many Christians, maybe you, who believe that a relationship with Jesus is all that really matters. And church is far more optional than it actually is. And see church attendance, being engaged with a church, part of a local church is not really that important. They either miss, disregard, or just don't understand the importance of being part of a local church. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Um, there are different reasons why people might think that way, I suppose. I mention these kinds of things a lot, but our loyalty is often often comes from our consumer mindset. And it's based on what we get from something, what something provides for us. Like if we like a restaurant, for instance, we return, we go back, but it's really about what we get out of that thing that makes us loyal to it. And a lot of church attendees base their attendance on what programs a church provides that will benefit them personally. And I'm not saying at all that there's not benefits to attending a church, but it's not like uh, looking for a nice place to eat. It's a little different than that. And I'm not, when I say these things, I'm not being accusatory and I'm generalizing, but there's a point here to be made. This is a quote from the book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes, which I've used a ton throughout this series. This is what he writes. He says, church attendance is infected with a malaise of conditional loyalty that has produced an army of ecclesiastical hitchhikers. The hitchhiker's thumb says, you buy the car, pay for repairs and upkeep and insurance, fill the car with gas, and I'll ride with you. But if you have an accident, you're on your own, and I'll probably sue. And I found that to be true for a percentage of people who call themselves Christians. However, Here's the usual disclaimer that you have to put on everything these days before we dive off into this. There are times when believers are legitimately looking for a church home, and they go from church to church until they find the right place to serve. They may have moved into a new community. The church leadership at their old church may have led the church in a direction that they couldn't go, so they left peaceably, and that's legitimate. 
understandable. And many of us have been through the process of finding a church. Over the years, I've seen a couple of people, um, well, I've seen actually several people come through uh, the church where I pastor, where they've come out of cults or they've been through a difficult time in another church or they were under some very strange teaching or they were caught up in a very separatist and legalistic brand of religion. And um, our church has been sort of a, a halfway house for people like that at times. And I've seen this church that I'm part of be a soft landing for people coming out of some strange things who've later moved on to other places, had some time to heal and grow. And now they're serving elsewhere and that's fine. Sometimes that's part of ministry. Now what I'm getting at in this is people who call themselves Christians, but say things like, well, I'm just looking for something that meets my needs. Or I don't really like being tied down to one church. Or my all-time favorite, I just don't feel like I'm being fed at such and such church. So I'm just out looking around. What are you, an infant? Pick up your baby and feed your, pick up your Bible and feed yourself, you big baby. Anyway, I may come off as a bit jaded, And I've spoken with people about this kind of thing in the past, and they tell me, I attend many churches. No, what you do is occasionally warm a seat in a church service as a visitor, without accountability, without discipline, without discipleship, and without serving. And I would be surprised if uh, the people who bounce from place to place to place support any church financially at all. And when someone's looking for a church, it's kind of like dating. There are some who date simply because they don't want to feel lonely or they want to have a good time or they kind of, you know, uh, play the field, I guess you could say. And they aren't really looking for anything more than that. And I have a con- I've had conversations with people who say, uh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church or I haven't found a church since I've moved here. And I ask, well, you know, okay, how long have you been in the area? And they say five years or something like that. And There's always the chance that there are legitimate reasons for that, but I tend to lean towards the idea that not much effort has been put into actually finding a church because there's accountability in that. There's discipline in that. There's discipleship in that. There's service involved in that. One of the things that makes this difficult for churches is when when there are Christians who bounce from place to place is there are committed and serving members in a church. And a lot of resources and energy are put into welcoming and connecting with visitors. And for someone who is a perpetual visitor drifting from place to place, they waste a lot of church resources and they never progress beyond that honeymoon stage and they don't grow in their faith. When someone has an attitude of, I'm just looking, they're also much more likely to criticize, complain, and when things don't go the way they want, they're quick to bounce and start looking for something else. Unfortunately, uh, some Christians live in that perpetual cycle, and I've seen several over the years like that. Um, I've had some funny experiences with that. I could tell all kinds of stories. Some people go through life just looking for things to be upset about. They are convicted on the behalf of the rest of us. I had a guy show up one day, and I could tell he was the perpetual visitor guy. And one of the things he told me up front in a very condescending way was no one excuse me, I need a cough button. I'll have to work that into the the gear. But one of the things this guy told me in a very condescending way, right out of the gate, was no one in the area knows how to preach. And I was far less experienced at the time. But if that were to happen now, I would say, well, uh, I 
go up front before the sermon and say, well, I was talking to, you know, whatever his name, let's just call him Bob over here. And he was telling me that no one in the area knows how to preach. So I figured I'd ask him to come up and show us what good preaching looks like. Come on up, Bob. Of course, with my luck, he'd probably do it, but it would be funny to see that. But I have a whole back file full of stories of church hoppers in my head. But anyway, uh, that's how some people date. They bounce from person to person with a critical attitude, unwilling to make any kind of commitment. Um, they go to a church for a little while. They enjoy the honeymoon stage. And then when they find out everyone in the church is actually just normal people, they move on to somewhere else. But the proper reason to date someone is to see if you want to marry that person and also if they want to marry you. So you can yoke up together you can grow together and help each other navigate life, which will never happen without a commitment. Sometimes it's not the right person and you move on. But the reason as to why you are dating is what's important. And that's also the right attitude for becoming part of a church. I'm looking for the right group of people to grow and serve with. That means more than occasionally attending on a Sunday. It's a commitment to a specific group of believers in a specific place. And I see more and more churchless Christians, people who say, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. And I know there's all kinds of things, all kinds of reasons people give for that. And, you know, I have my theories as to why that is good, bad, or otherwise, but there are probably uh, a whole truckload of reasons for that. If I went into our local community, you went into your local community and asked most people, what is a church? they would probably point to the closest church building and say, that is a church. Our church here at Hinderland Baptist is, it's a very, I like to think of it as a landmark here in the local community on the Gold Coast. And, um, you can go to our website, hinderlandbaptist.com and check it out. I'm sure there's a picture of the church building on there, but it's a very cool building. It attracts a lot of weddings and things like that. In our community, People would probably point to this building and say, that is a church. And we all use the word church like that when, we, when we're talking about a building. But speaking from a biblical definition, that's actually incorrect. So what if we took away the building and asked people now point at a church? Where would they point? Well, most people would have no idea what to point at. Even some Christians wouldn't know what to point at. So let's he read um, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 20 through to 24 and try to learn where to point some fingers, I guess you could say. This is what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 through 24 says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous ones made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than that of Abel. This is near where we left off last week. If you wanted to do a Bible study on your own sometimes, Hebrews 12 would be an interesting one for you. Just a thought, suggestion, whatever, take that for what it's worth to you. But there are several properties of a church in this passage and among other verses we're going to look at. And we're looking at church 
from the perspective of your local church, the church that you are going to be part of? What is a church? Obviously, church is not a building, even though we call the building a church. I've been trying to train myself to say I'm going to the office instead of the church because it's not actually the church. A church building is a church in the same way a community hall is a community meeting. Not at all. Um, Let's look at a few definitions. In the Bible, the word church is translated from the word ecclesia. You may have heard that word before. In the simplest way, it means a meeting called together. Simple definition, a meeting called together. And the meeting being called together implies purpose. And it also is a visible community of people called together for that purpose. A meeting of visible or a meeting of a visible community of people called together for a purpose. If you don't have those things, you don't have an assembly, you don't have a meeting, you don't have a church. So here's a definition of church from Tyndale's Bible Dictionary. It says a group or assembly of purpose, a group or assembly of persons called together for a particular purpose. The term appears in only two verses in the Gospels, Matthew 16, 18. In 1817, but frequently in the book of Acts, most of the letters of Paul, as well as most of the remaining New Testament writings, especially the Revelation of John. 27 books in the New Testament. There are the Gospels, written about the life and ministry of Jesus, the first four books in the New Testament. Uh, A few books are letters written to church leaders, and then there's Philemon, which is kind of an odd one, different thing happening there. But many of the books of the New Testament are letters written to specific churches. The book of Revelation addresses multiple churches, groups of believers in different places. In our church, our list of core values for our church brings those definitions together like this. It says, a church is a local congregation of immersed believers joined together to carry out the commission given by Jesus, worship, service, and fellowship. Salvation and baptism are prerequisites to the privilege of church membership. A church is a group of saved believers who have publicly professed their faith and are cooperating together in worship, service, and living together in obedience to God. (coughs) Excuse me, my goodness. Church is a a very important institution, and I don't think many people realize how important it is. The most important institution ever created. The local church is the vehicle God uses to reach and serve communities all over the world, wherever that local church may happen to be. But many Christians treat the institution of the local church far too lightly. Um, I don't know, speculating. Personally, I think one of the reasons for many of the problems I've mentioned so far is the extreme overemphasis on the teaching of universal church. And that's been done to the point that it's almost neutered the doctrine of the local church, which is actually the institution God works through. Um, Our passage from Hebrews says, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven. When you read about heaven and the multitudes worshiping God, uh, in in many ways, (coughs) 
Golly, I'm going to get a drink of water. Bear with me for a second, if you would, please. I don't know. Sometimes you just get that little itch in your throat. Worst possible time for it, but it happens. But when you read about heaven in the Bible and multitudes worshiping God, in many ways, your local church is an earthly expression of that. If church bores you and you don't like church, you might think about that and consider it. You know, granted, yeah, sometimes church is boring, but people tend to think that heaven's going to be a place where I internally get what I want and do what I want. And again, that's probably based in our consumer mentality and consumer culture. That idea manifests itself everywhere. Heaven will be eternal and perfect worship and fellowship with God. And in many ways, a church is an expression of that here on earth, filled with the citizens of heaven. Because a church is a community of the New Testament. A church is God's people in our world today. And a church is made up of fellow heirs with Christ, people who will <coughs> ultimately inherit the kingdom of God. Romans eight seventeen says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Throughout history, Christians have often been persecuted, poor and destitute. Many of our predecessors have gone through great trials and tribulations, through terrible things. Remember the words we read in Hebrews 11 last week about saints who have gone before us. It says others were tortured and did not accept deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins while destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. That's church history. Many of our predecessors by earthly standards were homeless, destitute, nobodies. But these are God's people. They're heroes of faith. And church is not an assembly of destitute victims. A church is an assembly of fellow heirs of Christ, heirs of the blessings and promises and kingdom of God, who've been called together to fellowship with each other and worship God. God, the King who makes enemies a footstool and says, vengeance is mine. A church is a temple built of living stones with Jesus as the cornerstone. Ephesians chapter two says, now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the entire building, tightly framed together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. Together, a church is the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the many parts of that one body are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slaves or free, and we've been made to drink of one spirit. The body is not one part, but many. Your local church in your community is the hands and feet of Jesus in your community. 
working together to represent him and his people to the world. So church is not a <coughs> church is not a building up the street or an activity or social club that we occasionally participate in. It's a group of people who are together in Jesus. They are his sheep and he is their shepherd. The body of Jesus is living temple. That's what a church is. And the emphasis is on together, not the individual. And when a church comes together, that church celebrates all of these things. And when a church assembles together, that church is an instrument of worship. You know, it's nice to listen to worship music or Christian music at home or in the car or at work or whatever. It's good to do that. Um, but in those situations, it's really just background noise. It's not the same thing as when you assemble as a church with other believers and there's been effort put into organizing this worship service where everyone's going to come together to worship and praise God. It's not the same thing. A church is a living place of worship. And that's not just true for just the music, but also the preaching part of worship. Believers assemble to hear the word of God in the company of fellow believers. I listen to a lot of of podcasts. Um, I listen to sermons and I listen to Christian music and that's good. And I'm, you probably do the same thing, but assembling as a church with other believers is better than that. And it's more important than that. Listening to something recorded like this is not the same as coming together with your church and listening together to a sermon that your pastor has put together with you in mind. And I'm grateful for the digital platforms we have available to us. I obviously use them, but they are not the same thing as coming together in person. Um, how do you practice the discipline of church? That's what we're talking about. It's, Probably more simple than you think. But when I was a kid, Sunday school was a a big outreach tool for churches. Uh, I wasn't, I was kind of, would go to church occasionally when I was a kid. I never really got committed and involved until I was well into my 30s. But when I was a kid, churches used Sunday school as an outreach. And bus ministries were a big deal. Um, that was probably into the nineties as well, but I'm, uh, I'm not making an indictment, but in the eighties, parents didn't worry very much about what their kids were up to. Obviously there were no mobile phones or anything like that. It's a time when a lot of households began to have single parents or both parents work and kids would just kind of do their own thing. They were home by themselves a lot and doing their own thing a lot. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, I had friends whose houses I visited often and barely even knew who their parents were. It was acceptable to let your kids hop on a bus to some church you didn't know anything about. And parents might show up occasionally when they were invited to see their kid in a Christmas or Easter program at the church. And for most people, a church was a part of the community in which they lived. And it was a part of their life, but in a very peripheral kind of way. And today, I think that's less so even than it was then. I had a couple of people tell me once that my church was their church, but they had never actually attended a church service. That's not how church works. To practice the discipline 
of church means that church is not a peripheral part of your life or community that you visit maybe once or twice a year or where you go to get married or buried. Practicing the discipline of church means giving church a central place in your life. It's that simple. Making a commitment to do that. I'm going to get into this some more next week, but you can easily tell what your priorities are in life. I, I could easily tell you what your priorities are in life. They may be priorities that you have chosen. They may be priorities that have been forced upon you, but you can easily tell what they are. And they may be, they may be different than what you think they are. So if you want to honestly evaluate your priorities, look at your bank ledger and look at your calendar. Your time is the most valuable thing you have. You're always spending it and you can't make more of it. How your time is spent shows you what is your priority. Also your finances. Your money doesn't do anything you don't tell it to. It doesn't think for itself. It doesn't hop out of your pocket and wander down the street and get in trouble. Where your treasure is, where your money is, is where your priorities are. Like Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is going to be there also. When you send your treasure, where you send your treasure and where you spend your time shows you your priorities. That really shows you what they are. We'll talk about money more next week, but today we're talking about time really in practicing the discipline of church. So have you committed yourself to a church, an assembly of fellow believers? You know, as much as I appreciate people listening to this, I really do, but you need to be committed to your local church. It's really that simple. Commit yourself to a church. A church exists when it comes together as a body of Christ. And if you are not in attendance, a part of that body is missing. And I'm not one to try to coerce people into attending church. I don't guilt people at into that kind of thing. I'm not even a pastor who has a problem with doing something else on Sunday once in a while. People go on holiday. They go on vacation. Sometimes important things happen on Sunday. And even in some cases, you may be able to be a, a better witness somewhere besides church service. But if it's simply on Sunday morning, you wake up and it's simply church or not church, and you choose not church, church is not a priority for you. And I doubt God is either. Don't kid yourself. If it's church or something else, and you consistently choose something else, church is not a priority. And again, I doubt God is either. Don't kid yourself. Like I say, I don't coerce people. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. Uh, when I was in the military, the best units I was part of were all volunteer, and church should be volunteer. And when you make the decision to attend church, you are placing a priority on church, and you are showing everyone in your life that same thing. You're saying, this matters to me. You're showing everyone that Jesus and his followers are a central part of your life. So if you are a believer who is involved and committed to the church, good for you. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. If you're not, stop messing around and find a church. Have a great week. Talk to you next time.